Welcome to issue 202.5 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at the most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent of. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel, and joining me tonight is James. How are you? So good, Daniel. How are you? Fantastic. Oh, five days in a row. This is this is legendary commitment from you. Thank you. Thank you. And speaking of legendary, Steve is here. Hello. Hello, adoring fans. I'm here. Okay. Hurry <laughs> up. Hi, Daniel. And Bill, you're here too. You're just as legendary as Steve. Thanks, Daniel. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. I don't believe it. It's true. It. You and Steve play so many games. on the- It's awesome. It's awesome watching you guys. So thanks, everyone, for being here at this, the culmination of our mansion attack week. Wow. Hey, you know, after such a big week, I'm sure that everyone is dying, just dying to know. What's that, James? Daniel, what's on your mind tonight? James, it's weird that you would ask that because there's an email from a listener, um, a guy named Chris, a.k.a. Tiger Vet. Do we know him, Steve? He wrote in a while back to us. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like I remember Tiger Vet. I remember that name. Anyway, he says this to us. Hey, guys, just wanted to update y'all. I have finished Mutant Genesis and Saber and Magneto. Both picked up some wins against those heroes. Now, really enjoyed it and have now added Galaxy's Most Wanted to the collection. Loving the show, and just didn't want Daniel's mind to be empty for a week. He might want to check if Xavier has been in the lair lately, wiping his memory. <gasps> we talked about that. Very timely. First day, very timely. As far as I'm concerned, there's no villain fatigue with you guys on the case. Aw, oh, thanks, Chris. Thanks, thanks Tiger. Chris. Awesome. Yeah. I did have an empty mind for a while, Steve. You did did but not anymore we've got a lot of what's on your minds queued up now oh wow okay all right so this is our fifth and final piece of the mansion attack and we could not do a issue about the mansion attack without talking about the mansion itself could we no no we could not it makes sense we would talk a little bit about that yeah and i heard bill that you stole the secret plans from the X-Men and are going to give us some stats and information that will make our attack against the mansion that much easier. So uh, uh, lay it on me. All right, so the mansion, um, this is just kind of like some notes that were sticking out of a book. It has belonged to the Xavier family for 10 generations that dates all the way back to 1698. It was originally built by a Dutch seafaring ancestor of Professor X, and it was made of stone from the edge of the Breakstone Lake in upstate New York, which is near the Salem Center area. And I've spent time in New York, but Steve, you're more of an expert at New York. Have you been to the Breakstone Lake area? Never heard of it. Never heard of it? I wonder if it's made up for for this fiction. Not sure. And maybe... My data, the the plans that I stole are getting kind of old, so it may, it may have changed by now. But um, 
so if this structure was built back in 1698 and it's being used for kind of a modern usage, evidently improvements were needing to be made. And so mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that they had even electricity back in 1698. And so they had to definitely install some of that. And then they also uh, had to modernize the building. But the one thing about the X mansion is it has been destroyed several times over the last, particularly recently, you know, maybe it, it's it lasted for quite some time. And then it seems like every time they would rebuild it, something would happen and it would get destroyed. And uh, some of the renovations that they would then include in these kind of redos is they would put a subterranean um, structure to it. So there was hangars that you could land aircraft in down below the surface of the ground. Then, of course, we have the famous danger room that the X-Men used to, to train in. So we definitely need to look into that and see what that's all about. Maybe crack some of those files open that we found from the danger room. Um, they also have some really high speed transport tunnels underneath the surface of the ground. And, you know, as I'm kind of looking at the plans, it looks like the way that it was rendered in Brian Singer's X-Men movies, uh, that that's exactly, exactly how I imagine it, right? That there's going to be these tunnels underneath with these sliding doors. I know in the movies, it was real popular to have that X latch that latched the door shut. You know, it's almost oh, like yeah. they had these these doors in case, you know, they're being attacked so they can, they can close the blast doors. Right. So, um, one of the notable destruction of the, of the mansion occurred in X-Men number 154. And during that time period, it's when they were involved with the Shire. Uh, they, so they used the Shire technology to rebuild the mansion because professor X's lady friend at that time was Empress Lilandra. And she was really instrumental in making sure that this building would get put back together. But then it was rebuilt with Shire applications and specifications. And so it was more advanced than any other structure on Earth. Uh, it incorporated a self-sustaining intelligence where it could repair itself. It could upgrade itself you know, automatically. This is back, you know, before we had devices that upgraded themselves, I don't think, automatically. But then, you know, if something broke... It could fix itself. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm getting like cold feet about this whole this whole thing. This thing's self repairing itself. Yeah, it's got it alien can... technology in it. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, do we really have know. to try and like get into this school? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let's just do it before. Let's just do it before X Men number one fifty four, and we'll be fine. Ah, ah, perfect. Right. Okay, thank okay. you. I'm in. Yep. Back yep. in time, right? Just jump in, go back, and attack it then. So, yeah, uh, very convenient that it could fix itself. If any of the devices inside break, they can get fixed. You know, you're watching popcorn at midnight. Microwave breaks. There it is. It's fixed. Now you got your popcorn, refrigerator. Um, so the X-Mansion uh, would accommodate both the X-Men and the New Mutants over the years. In fact, there was a time when both of them occupied the mansion at the same time. They had their own wings. And there are, okay, here's where we get into the technology or the, the, the specs. So there's six levels to the mansion. There's the attic, which is normally where you put your communications room and, and that's where you store your, what, your seasonal decorations and all your that kind of stuff. Xmas decorations. Yeah, <laughs> those kinds of things. Uh, uh. So anything you don't want to look at every day, that goes up there, you know, your old toys and things like that. The second floor is where the X-Men wing is. 
That's also where Xavier's chambers are. Actually, Xavier's chambers is kind of a multi-level thing. He's got he's got these really big chambers, so he can go up and down in the elevator in his. Conveniently, there's also another wing on the other side of the building for the new mutants. Um, then on the ground floor, it's pretty typical of a mansion. When you walk into a mansion, you're going to expect to see a big entryway with a dining hall, you know, a big library over here. There's also, you know, some administration type rooms in there, computer rooms and so forth. But then once you get down to the basement, that's when things start to really look different from other mansions, I guess. I haven't been to a whole lot of mansions in my life, but this is where you find all these little secret passages that go around through the the underground underneath the building. It really spreads out underneath. There's these secret passages. Um, importantly, there's a wine cellar down there. Yeah. So you're going to take a break, go down for a nightcap. There you go to the basement. Then you go even a little bit further down into the sub basement. That's where the Shire power supply is. And that's where all the medical rooms are, the laboratory. This is where things really start to heat up inside there. Uh, you want to get down there and try to try to tap into some of those things. If you're going to, if you're going to break in, you might as well go for the heart, right? Go down there and get this, some of this JIR power supply, uh, tap into this alien technology. There's also in the sub basement, these magnetic rail cars that can run like 200 miles an hour under the ground. And then you get down to the, to the lowest level, which is the danger room level. And so this is where you really see a lot of Shi'ar technology down there. There's those hollow projectors where the X-Men can train. And so that's where we can really, if we can get down to the danger room, we can get into the, a lot of their secrets, you know, and, and learn, you know, what makes these guys tick? What have they been practicing? How can we get the edge over them? We got to get down to the danger room. That's, that's pretty much. Uh, Sounds good. Where it all happens. There's there's other things too. You know, there's a Cerebro inside the the mansion. I'm not exactly sure what level Cerebro is. We'll have to look around for that one. And um, so what um, what really can be said is that this mansion is just full of a lot of trickery. It's a lot of comic booky stuff. Is what you're going to find inside that mansion. Yeah, sounds pretty nice. All right, we got to do some upgrades, Daniel. Well, clearly we're not competing with this place. Uh, t- no, <laughs> but we could try. Could try. We don't even have a basement, Steve. We are in the basement. I thought. Well, okay, guys. Yeah, I'm literally getting you... cold feet from this basement now. So <laughs> you you need to stop pumping me with some confidence because I'm getting really worried about going into this place. But but if the only place you have, Steve, is a basement, then the basement's under that. Uh, the sub <laughs> basement. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's... Yeah. Three oh, stories above, you. three stories below. Yeah, that's that's what we're looking at. We definitely at least, don't have that here. No, but James, again, I'm sorry about your cold feet. Yeah. Now we just can turn for, the heat on, but we just need we need some more of that sweet sweet Patreon money, and we can actually install a heater down here. <laughs> wow. So, oh. so. I just want to disclaim, guys, that these plans that I stole they're like 30 years old. So what has happened between then and now? Yeah, probably nothing. I don't know. Maybe somebody could share that with us. Somebody who knows more. Well, let's look at some more uh, stuff about this mansion and check out the cards for the mansion attack scenario. How about that? Yes. Do it. All right. Last time I'm going to say this. Mutant Genesis campaign box. Fourth scenario. <laughs> 25 total cards. 10 setup cards. 
15 encounter cards, 7 by title. And tonight we're going to talk about two more of the cards that set up and all seven encounter cards. Daniel, start us off with the main scheme, would you please? I would love to. It is the Brotherhood Strikes. Now, here you got Avalanche A, Blob A, Pyro A, and Toad A, and you use the B-sides for expert, Mansion Attack, Brotherhood, and Standard Sets, and one modular set, and the game recommends Mystique. Now, when you're setting this up, you put the save school environment into play. You shuffle all the copies of main scheme 2A and stack them under this scheme. Shuffle the villains together without looking to create the villain deck. And the top card of this deck is in play. Okay. Okay. So you flip it on over. And the Xavier Institute is under attack by the Brotherhood of Mutants. This is the Brotherhood Strikes 1B. One reveal deal each player a face down encounter card. Advance to the next card in the main scheme deck and add this card to the victory display. Mm. They had to put something on the back of the other card. There it is. There it is. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we'll let's read Save the School Environment, and then we can talk a little bit more about how you win and lose the scenario, and then Brilliant. we'll dig through the encounter cards. So, James, yeah. Save the School. Save the School. It is an environment card with a forced response. After the villain is defeated, if there are X. Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get okay. it. Uh, villains in the victory <laughs> display. The players win the game. See the X logo rule book, page fifteen. Otherwise, deal each player an encounter card and reveal the next villain. If a minion with the same title as the new villain is engaged with a player, discard that minion, and the villain activates against that player. Good environment. Interesting. Let, let, let me read you a little bit about uh, the rule book since it references that, and then we can talk about this setup. So we have the multiple villains, right? Daniel told us we're going to shuffle all four of our guys together, and um, only one villain's in play at a time, but the order's randomized, so we never know who's going to be next. And in order to win this scenario, you must defeat a certain number of villains. I guess for us to lose, a couple of us got to get beat up. So there's this little chart. If the players are playing skirmish mode, you defeat one villain to win. Standard mode, you defeat two villains to win. Expert mode, you defeat three villains to win. And heroic mode, you defeat four villains to win. Heroic mode would be a very long game, I think, in like four players. It would be marathon. Uh, I've played it in uh, solo. It's fun. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I I can see solo being a lot nicer. Um, So the Brotherhood Strikes scheme instructs us to put the Save the School out, which we've talked about and uh, what to do after each villain is defeated. So you're going to... The heroes are going to punch the villains until a villain dies, and tuck it under save the school, and either you've won because you've defeated enough villains, or you you move on, you get this encounter card, and, you know, you keep going. Um, hmm. But you... The villains win, right? If the main scheme advance enough times because we've we've talked about all four different locations also randomized so you don't know which villain or which location you're going to be fighting them at and right off the bat the brotherhood strikes 1b just gets put into the victory display so when you start looking at the two b's it says if there are three main schemes in the victory display the players lose the game the game starts by tucking one into the victory display right off the bat Mm -hmm. so the villains only have to take out 
two locations, right? Two main schemes have to advance, the atrium, the basketball court, the courtyard, or the cafeteria. So once two of those are advanced, the villains win. Or if you defeat, let's say, on standard two villains, the heroes win. Yeah. Um, but you get it, it's fun because you get a lot of different randomized combos. I think that's the fun part. Yeah. And is this the first time that we've seen this, that we saw this kind of design space uh, in the game where, you know, we, we advance to this first stage, but then, imme- you know, there's no threat threshold. It immediately progresses more for like a story and setup. Is, did that happen in Magog? I don't feel like it happened in anything previous. Yeah, there's there's been a couple, I think. I don't game. know if it if there are any that just instantly progress. I can't remember. So, uh, this happens a lot in the Lord of the Rings, which is a different game, so sometimes they blur a little bit. All right, so that's our setup. We know what we're doing, hopefully, and we've got a whole lot of encounter cards to go through. So can I ask a question that, you know, some folks might have. So when you look at all of the main schemes, like each villain has their own main scheme, right? When you defeat the villain, that scheme doesn't go away, correct? Okay, so we, in our lore episodes, we looked at main schemes along with the villain whose artwork right. was on it, but they're not yeah. really technically tied not, to one they're another. They're not tied to one another, right? No. Now it says, when completed, add the scheme to the victory display. Advance to the next. If there are three main schemes in the victory display, the players lose. Yeah. So what's you that's you have, tough? Yeah, because you yeah. start with one in the victory display. Start with one, one B and instantly goes there. Oh my goodness! Seven threat in a solo game dumps the eight yeah. into the victory display. You're at two out of three right there. Right. So you can only let the main oh scheme advance once. Once. Or you've lost. Okay. Yes. Regardless of your heroic standard or whatever mode, right? That's right. sort of the. That's right. static here. All right. Right. The the hero or the standard or expert only impacts how many villains you have to defeat. So how long In does that it time. take you? Yeah. Right. right. You have you have two main schemes and you've lost, or how many villains can you defeat the villains before the main schemes advance? That's your. Oh, that's, that's exciting. That's exciting. All right. Yeah. So thank you. All right. So let's get on to these encounter cards. Yeah, let's talk about the first one. And this is going to be an Avalanche card. So we're going to read right. these as they're paired up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hit it. So uh, Groundswell. Now, there's two of these. It does have uh, some beautiful Avalanche artwork. And I can't tell who he's hurting, but that doesn't matter because this is a podcast, not a visual medium. When revealed, Avalanche <laughs> activates against you. If he is not in play, search the encounter deck and discard pile for the Avalanche minion and reveal him. With a boost, if the villain is Avalanche, give him an additional boost card for this excavation. So that is the boost icon, but it does sadly only have uh, have one, you know, regular boost. Sad. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's one plus an additional boost if it's Avalanche, yeah. And, yeah. and as a quick reminder, right, the main scheme said the Brotherhood modular set. And the Brotherhood modular set has Avalanche, Blob, Pyro, and Toad in it. And they all basically do the same thing. They're like, yeah. You know, I really uh, like that about this scenario, actually. Yeah, that you can get multiples of them out. Um, I think that's cool. It's a neat way to kind of do the multi-villain thing. Is one's yeah. the main villain, and the rest are kind of his minions at the moment, and then they, they'll rotate around. So Yeah, I like that. And thematically, Mystique is coming with it, you know, mm-hmm. is recommended with it as well. And, you know, she comes out, she's got nine health, she's matching what the person is doing in terms of damage or scheme, and she's villainous. You know, it's it's... Yeah, it's it's solid enough. 
yeah, the themes themes right there, I think. So that's cool. So I'm looking at the minion that could pop out. Avalanche the minion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says after Avalanche attacks you, exhaust a character you control. Where his villain says exhaust an ally you control. Oh, uh, so yeah, there's certain advantage to having the minion out there, right? <laughs> the minion's better. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I've got these all laid out here. I'll look at them as we go. Cool. Well, Bill, the next card's yours. Uh, hopping man. Let's see. This is a treachery card. It says when revealed toad activates against you. If he's not in play, search the encounter deck and discard pile for the toad minion and reveal him. So I'm seeing a theme here, right? These mm-hmm. are all very similar. The boost says that the villain is Toad. Give him an additional boost for this activation. So that's his special boost. So he's going to get one boost already. He's going to get an additional boost if he's the if he's out there. And then it says, uh, uh, when revealed, Toad activates against you. So Toad activating against us does a damage to and does a damage to a character we control. Then that's when we have to discard a card from our hand. So hopping mad can make you just that if you start getting your cards mm. smacked out of your hand, right? <laughs> now, so for Daniel's, Daniel's sake, oh, I think you're going to say the same thing as me. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, James. Uh, he's either had a recent run-in with Wolverine or he has, in fact, retracted his tongue. Yes. Yeah. And now you know. And there, there's I two of these. So. still want to know where it goes. Mm-hmm. Let, me anyway. at, let me look at the Toad minion just briefly. <laughs> it says... Uh, Force response after Toad attacks and damages a character you control. Discard one random card from your hand. So, um, yeah. yeah, same. Same That's idea. Same, same yeah. thing. So, Well, next we have two immovables. That is Blob's little encounter card. And it says, when revealed, Blob activates against you. If he's not in play, search the encounter deck and discard pile for the Blob minion and reveal him. His boost is like everyone else's. If the villain is Blob, give him an additional boost card for this activation. And he has one boost icon as well. Mm-hmm. I wonder what Pyromaniac's going to be, Steve. Yeah. Uh, Bill's got the Blob Minion real oh, quick. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the Blob Minion, Bill. Sorry. Yeah. So he's a he's a guard. So you get him oh. out. He's not going away right away. And he's got six health on him. So a guard with six health. And he has that same force response after Blob attacks and damages a character, stun that character. So these treachery cards are bringing out these minions that are no joke. So now you've got mm-hmm. a minion and a villain that you're dealing with that are basically essentially both villains on the table. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like it. And now comes Mystique and you cannot attack the villain while Mystique's in play. I mean, mm. it's a, it's a good combination. It is. All right. Well, there is a fourth one here. No surprise. Uh, Pyro maniac, the treachery for Pyro, right? Two of them. And when Pyro, uh, when revealed, Pyro activates against you. If he's not in play, search the encounter deck and discard pile. That's key. Uh, for the Pyro minion and reveal him. It has one boost and a special boost. If the villain is Pyro, give him an additional boost for this activation. Okay, mm-hmm. Bill. And the Pyro minion? Uh, the minion is a scheme of two. Attack of, it's same as before, zero on his uh, on one side. So it says force response. After Pyro attacks you, discard the top two cards of your deck. Take one indirect damage for each printed resource icon discarded this way. So similar to... Um, yeah, similar to the villain, but he does get a boost card, so he's still only attacking for zero, so you don't have to block, and then you take the indirect. I mean, so. you know, if you pull you know, if you pull advance or something else from 
the standard set and you're not playing the uh, Critical Encounters house rules, you could just be doing the exact same amount of damage as the villain there. Yeah. 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 So these are this the suite of four cards kind of makes the the whole scenario tick, right? You're getting additional activations because the villains trigger off of activations. You're giving them bonus boost cards if they're timed correctly, or you're pulling out the minion. Um, they can be kind of weak as a boost if it doesn't match up with the villain, right? It's a one boost. If if you draw a movable and Blob is not the villain, it's just a one boost card. So that in that regard, they're kind of weak. But otherwise, the rest of it, that card, I feel like, are pretty decent. So Yeah, and a lot of them. So like eight mm. cards. Mm-hmm. Pretty good chance you're going to draw these, particularly in a multiplayer game. Yeah, red in a vacuum, like tonight, they sound kind of like, eh, they're all the same. It's kind of boring. But like you said, Steve, the encounter, this scenario needs this suite. Right. Um, to kind of make it thematically hum and be challenging. Yeah. And it helps add meat to that bone. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, Bill, why don't you tell us about Brotherhood Beatdown? What is that? The Brotherhood Beatdown. There's three copies of the Brotherhood Beatdown, I do believe, in this. It says uh, it's a treachery card. And listen to this it says, when revealed, for each of the following enemies in play, and then there's four bullet points, Avalanche, Blob, Pyro, Toad. Avalanche says exhaust your identity. Blob's, Blob says you are stunned. Pyro, take two indirect damage. And Toad is discard one random card from your hand. So basically, this is a treachery that is their ability that goes off. And there's three copies of this in here. Love it. And it, mm-hmm. and it has two boost icons on each one of these a lot of boost in this deck actually i'm looking around there's looking at the cards what i especially love about this card is that like in a four-player game you know steve could have avalanche and blob in front of him and bill you've got pyro in front of you and i got toad in front of me and then james draws this card right and it all happens to him right <laughs> <laughs> i turn around and look at him like get him I feel like that's the great thing, though, is that it it really scales with multiplayer. You're already cheating, right? You're already cheating because you're coming as a team to take on this team as heroes. And you're more likely to pull these guys out as minions. You're more likely to pull this out in this way. It's it's great. I love this card. Yeah. You will see it. Yeah, with three of them. But does incentivize the heroes to keep the minions away, right? Like, Because if there's only one villain out and you've managed to defeat the villains... You know, you're going to do one of these things. Um, yeah, but if you can't, can't handle the minions, woof. Yeah. All right, James. All right. All right. This is the this is the cheaty uh, this is the cheaty card in a way, I guess. It is at least a crisis icon, but it is protect the students as a side scheme. It has a hinder two per player with uh, two base threats per player. Uh, when defeated, the player who defeated this side scheme searches their deck and discard pile for an ally and adds it to their hand. Hmm. Yeah. Now, why do you think that's so cheaty? Well, you know, it's if you're playing solo, it's coming out of four. Uh, if you're playing as someone like Phoenix and you're already, you know, thwarting for three just off the bat, and then you play clear the area, you get a card back, you decide to pull someone that gives you some, you know, is a low-cost enters play thing, it just it can set you up a little bit. It provides a little bit back. It doesn't put them into play. It's not as bad as some of those other things. Um, <laughs> but at least it's providing a bit of a rebate. Yeah, at the, at the bare minimum, even if you don't want that ally at the time, you're still able to draw it in your hand and use it as a resource, right? So it mm-hmm. could be timed, yeah. Um, and there's two of them in the deck, 
There's two of these in there. Oh, that's right. There's two. So this is uh, an anti Mike card, right? Who plays with no allies? Yeah, I mean, he usually has a signature ally. Oh, okay, that's true. Yeah, but maybe they're already in play. Mm-hmm. Who's that in the art? I'm guessing that's Kitty. I don't and know. And then two random kids, right? Kitty with some kitties. But I, I like how one of them has, you know, a little Wolverine t-shirt <laughs> on. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. What's the other t-shirt? The other t-shirt has a face or something on it. That's Toad. Is it just the hand? Is it just the hand? It's oh, is it? oh, okay. It is the hand. Okay. <laughs> it's Toad. Come on. Let's get a, let's get a break. <laughs> I love for Toad there. Oh, golly. Well, Steve, tell us about the last side scheme. Ooh, I get to. All right. Yeah. Under Siege is a side scheme. And there are two of these. It has zero threat on it. What? What? Uh, That doesn't make sense. When revealed, place three threat on this scheme for each Brotherhood of Mutants character in play. Okay. Acceleration and three boost icons and a great picture of the mansion burning down. Pyro done his thing. Dang. Um, Hmm. All right, so it starts with three threat automatically because you've got a villain out who is a Brotherhood of Mutants character, right? Yep. And you could have 12. You could, ha- you could have three more minions and Mystique. Oh, jeez, mm. yeah. So, yeah, you could put 15 15? threat on here, I guess. I mean, you're in big trouble anyway, so I guess you yeah, had the man burned <laughs> down at that point. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. In solo, it's terrible. Yeah. Acceleration is really positive. Because you want those main schemes to advance, so adding extra threat to it is good. Yeah, speeds it up. Yeah, you know what we should do? We should just encourage people to put in the uh, the old Avalanche Nemesis as well, because that insight too on this, you know, main scheme Ooh. of seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. All right. So this is a school, and we have spent five days talking about this set. So let's give this a grade. As if we were in school, and Bill, you have to go first. You're sitting in the front of the class, so I'm going to call on you. All right. I'll be happy to give my opinion, and I'm going to give this one an A. I love playing against this scenario, and I like the characters. Um, these are these are all of these Brotherhood uh, characters I like, so I like the theme of it, and I like the way that the uh, encounter deck interacts with the villains and the minions that you put in there. So I really, really like this one. This one's and, and compared comparing this to other sets that have multiple villains in it, like sinister six and um, the wrecking crew. So this is probably my favorite one. Okay. All right. Uh, James, you're up now. I would probably give this one an X for exciting. Um, I I love the way I know. I hate myself. Um, <sighs> I, yeah, I know. Okay, because uh, so we hate I, you too. But go yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> um, F. You know, <laughs> mostly I hate him because he stole my joke. But okay. Yeah, it's it's that avalanche pyro thing. You know, just mm-hmm. just so close to each other. You're a buddy, 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 buddies. Uh, I think yeah, just to kind of like kind of like Bill was saying. I like all the characters. I think the suite, the way that it works together, especially with the recommended setup, because we're adding the Brotherhood of Mutants uh, set to this typically as well. The way that that all fires off from one to the other is great. Mystique in there. I hate Mystique. I mean, I love Mystique. Um, 
you know, the, the game can be really punishing. You, you know, sometimes when that first villain comes out, I'm like, ugh. And then I flip to see what area I'm in. I'm like, double, ugh. And occasionally I cheat and I forget that I'm meant to give myself an encounter card. And even when I just, you know, when you get too cocky and you just like, oh, to set it up quickly and I forget, no, I've, I've got to give myself an encounter card. Even when I don't, sometimes I'm like, yeah, this is, this is a fun time. Okay. Nice. Play the game. You want to play it to the next level, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Daniel. Yeah. Well, Steve, you know how many times I've played this scenario? Uh, do I have to talk to Becky and Andy again? Nope. Oh, no, because you've played it with James. With James. One time. I have played this once, and it was with James and two other folks, and it was awesome and super fun, and I'm going to give it a for that. All right. I also think it's it's phenomenally well-built. It's a cool – it was cool. And as we were playing it, it was fun, and each villain changes how you do your strategy against it. It's cool. I just think it's really well-designed. Yeah, I like that it's a—it's uh, not even a multi-villain. It's sort of like a serial villain, right? You're not fighting them all at the same time unless their minions are out, which is a really neat way to do it where yeah. you're fighting different villains, but not more than one at a time. So, uh, yeah, I, I like I like the way they've done it. It's a fun scenario. I've had a lot of good times playing this as well. Well, gentlemen, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. James, thanks for coming on. Uh, Bill? Glad to have you back. Absolutely. Folks can check out Bill's YouTube channel. He's got one out there under the Board Game Lawyer. He's got games up there. He also twitches with me occasionally when we find the time. Once a week about. Um, James, are you out in the interwebs anywhere? Can people get a hold of you? Do they? Are you making content? or? Uh... Don't, don't worry. I'll find, I'll find you. <laughs> oh. <Whoa>. Okay. <laughs> Uh, do you folks have uh, a clue you'd like to leave for James so he can find you easier? You can email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We're Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can find our YouTube channel or Patreon by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Fun Love, Wandering to Board Game Lawyer, and Ms. Darcy. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, take us out. Alright guys, these mutants have given us a lot of trouble in the past. Does anybody need anything from the cafeteria, or can we bypass it? Uh, I think Blob needs something from the cafeteria. Oh, he needs another meal? Did he already eat before we left? Yeah, but that would help me heal better if I have more stamina. Alright, well... What we'll do, I'll run in first, gather whatever mutants are in the atrium behind the wall of fire, then maybe Avalanche can knock them all down with a seismic quake. I'll try to intimidate them with a couple of fireballs to kind of scatter them, you know, so we don't have to fight a whole bunch of them at once. When my flames go out, maybe Blob can come in and use his gravity field so we can keep them scattered so as not fight too many at once. While he's doing that, Toad can come in and start lashing them with his tongue to keep them scattered. Then we're just going to have to start hitting them with all we've got so we can, of course, get them down fast. Because more will be coming, and we'll be in trouble if we don't take them down quick. I think it's a pretty good plan. We should be able to pull it off this time. Uh, what do you think, Avalanche? You're used to crunching things. Can you give me a number crunch real quick? Uh, uh yeah. Give me a sec. Uh, I'm coming up with, uh, 
33, uh, repeating, of course, but the percentage of survival. Uh, well, it's a lot better than we usually do. Uh... All right. Ready, guys. Let's do this. Mortimer Touring B. OMG, he just ran in. Let's save him. Stick to the plan. Let's go. Let's go. Stick to the plan, chums. Stick to the plan. Oh, gee. Oh, crap. Throw up the firewall. I can't quake. I, I can't move. What the hell? OMG. I can't move either. We got him. We got him. God. Crap. Mortimer. Language. 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 Mortimer, you're such a moron. This is ridiculous. Damn it. Oh, crap. Mortimer, why'd you do this? Crap. It's not my fault. Oh, Mortimer, you're just as stupid as double hockey sticks. Well, at least I got a sandwich. Did you guys ever Oat. see... Did you guys see Leroy Jenkins, you know, back in the day with World of Warcraft? <laughs> you guys know that, right, Daniel? Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm glad language was invented, so FFG say F that. Oh, the boring kind of probe. I thought this was going a different direction.